0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. You know, I guess we've all realized that over time, families are becoming smaller. Look at the one perhaps you're in, perhaps the one you've created, and the one maybe your grandparents or parents had. Uh, We can certainly see the size of families uh shrinking for various reasons uh but now we're hearing uh, alarming rates that uh that say that uh, we could have a population issue not with overpopulation but underpopulation Uh to talk about all of this let's bring in Dr. Masu uh Mur, uh sorry Mernouche. Faji, she is with us now, assistant clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology at McMaster University. All also the managing partner of One Fertility in Burlington. Doctor, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well.
1: Uh, Hello, Scott. Yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity, and uh, good afternoon to all your listeners.
0: You know, it seemed for years, uh, you know, I'm a guy in his 50s now, um, we heard of overpopulation problems and, you know, not being able to feed certain parts of the world and such. Uh, how concerned are we about a shrinking population worldwide?
1: It's actually very interesting. Uh, this morning when I was scrolling down through my news feed, this was the um, the article you're referring to, the one that was published by BBC, that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to see a major decline in, in the world population by 2100, um, and um, which could have obviously a significant implication, as they also predict that the number of uh, younger generation would be almost half of the number of older uh, generation, older than 60 or 70, so obviously the worst forecast. Um, would be significantly declined. So who is going to pay taxes? Who is going to um, pay for health care? And taking care of this um, aging population, um, which is, you know, so when I see, saw that this morning, I sent it to my colleagues right away. And I said, hey, listen, guys, we are, our job is now very important. We got to save the world. So that's how I looked at it this morning.
0: So why is this happening? Why are are we losing the population that we had even 50 years ago?
1: Uh, So, I mean, the way that these uh, scientists from Washington, Seattle, they've analyzed this is basically what they've um, used is a rate of immigration, uh, fertility and um, mortality rate. So they've used those three factors to predict what is going to happen in the next um, 60, 70 years. So, uh, this is definitely true that we do see women postponing um, motherhood for different reasons. It, even it's because of their career, education, they haven't had a chance to find the partners that um, they approve of. So, they've delayed fertility. And um, this is a scientific fact. We know that female ability to have children, we call it female fecundity, uh, sharply decreases as they age. Um, as we approach mid-30s, uh, this decline is significant. So these authors basically... Um, propose um, in their conclusion that um, because of uh, women access to um, more um, professional careers and education and free access to contraception, um, this will um, decline fertility and hence in next hundred years, that's what we have to deal with.
0: (laughs) Uh, we've talked about for for decades, uh, birth control uh, uh, availability for women, education for women, which has all contributed to this. So, how do we balance this? Because we certainly don't want to go backwards in those areas. How, what's the solution moving forward? Is immigration? Will it, can immigration fix a fertility a, a fertility issue?
1: Mm-hmm. So, Scott, that's an excellent question. I mean, I'm not expert in the immigration part, but, you know, what I can tell you is, obviously, if the whole uh, world population will be affected by this, uh, perhaps immigration is not an answer to this problem. If there is nobody to immigrate to anywhere, yeah. anywhere then, you know, that wouldn't be necessarily the solution. However, one thing that I you know, absolutely fits my area is social egg freezing. This is basically a very novel technology that... it, it makes women capable of uh, freezing their fertility in time. As I mentioned again, um, one uh, limiting factor for women over, you know, past decades and years and so on, it's the fact that the the time is always not mm-hmm. on women's side because it's only few years. The fertile age is few years. But with this novel technology, you can actually freeze fertility in time. Um, so right now, uh, most uh, places that they provide uh, public funding to freeze eggs, um, it's only for medical reasons. Uh, let's say if you're going through a cancer treatment and it's predicted that the cancer treatment will um, um, affect your ability to have children in the future, um, or you have a medical condition that this might um, prevent you from having children, it affects your ovary, you can't have children, the government in Canada, the government helps you to preserve your fertility, you go through the treatment, and then you have a chance to come back and have, you know, complete your family.
0: So is the answer? So is the answer here? If and again, I think some of the major contributors are obviously advances in birth control around the world, and and women becoming more and more educated, entering the workforce, and just as you said, that timeline just gets smaller and smaller. So is is what you're saying is part of the solution here? Is other ways uh, to expand the population using fertility research and development? This is obviously only going to be a growing industry, if, if your suggestion is accurate.
1: Um, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. I don't I don't yeah. know if this is uh, totally the answer to the problem, but it's certainly mm-hmm. something that, you know, policymakers could consider. You know, as I said, right now, the social X-freezing is considered... Something that you have to pay out of pocket. Government doesn't really contribute to this, and it is pretty expensive and invasive and time-consuming for women. Um, and I can tell you, it's only too limited to women that they can afford it. So it's not really, and it's not really out there. That's the other thing: public awareness that you can. It's uh, you know, ten years ago, this wasn't available. But now I can tell you um, it's I have one or two, three patients weekly that they come and they're engaged in professions that uh, delays childbearing. So they come, they freeze their eggs and that gives them an opportunity. So what I'm trying to say is we need to be think bigger. Uh, there are other options. There are there are other solutions definitely to this problem to enable women rather than going backward.
0: You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. What about incentive to have more kids? Does that work?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, helping, um, to, uh, helping women to be able to afford such treatment, I guess you could consider it as incentive. Right now, I can tell you it's sort of a punishment for women. They have to pay, you know, they have to come up with a lump sum of money to be able to do this. So uh, I guess you could call it incentive.
0: Where do you see this going? Um, because, uh, again, uh, many would look at this as progress, and progress has taken us to a place with a declining population. So is it, in fact, progress? Or or uh, are we putting too much emphasis on the population, that perhaps there's a sweet spot and it doesn't continue to grow? This will be cyclical, and you know, 10, 20 years later, this won't be an issue.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think what's important to keep in mind, obviously, a balance is always, um, what everybody strives toward. And that's actually what this paper talks about. If we try to keep, keep the birth rate around 2.1, we are good. We, we're not going to increase the population that the word birth and we're not going to decline. The problem is these guys are predicting this is going to go down, like the uh, fertility rate is going to go to uh, less than 2.1, around 1.7 with all, you know, everything that's going on. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't think it's only because of women postponing motherhood. There's a lot of other factors, you know, um, that plays. Why families... um, you know, decide to have less children? Is it because they can't afford education? They can't afford, you know, a lot of things that kids need these, these days. Mm. So those are, um, you know, very, um, for sure, you know, aiming for a balance and a sweet spot. That's the way we should, we should look at it.
0: Are there other countries that are managing this well, that have figured this out? Or is this something that will only over time, when with everybody, there'll be a consensus? Or are there parts of the world that that have a handle on this?
1: Well, I can tell you, again, from my perspective, um, I can tell you there are countries um, like Israel, for example. They provide uh, social, they don't call it social freezing. They provide it for free for women um so they can decide without pressure do they need to do this there are there are countries like uh, sweden that they have provided incentive for women longer maternity leave you know more incentive even i don't know if you remember back in 2014 uh, apple and facebook they offered um, $20,000 incentive, 20000 incentive for their women, female workers, if they wanted to use it towards social freezing. Although that was very controversial, whether um, they were pushing women to do this so they'd be available for the workforce, or was it really an honest, you know, incentive? <laughs> Those are a lot of, you know, discussions beyond this, um, you know, uh, program here but those are i mean definitely there are countries that are uh, doing proactive you know management rather than letting it be and let's see what happens kind of thing
0: um are there downfalls to what your specialty is and that be you know freezing eggs and putting this off till a later date What are the, what are the downfalls of that are there
1: Definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, we say that, but we, uh, we currently with this, you know, scientific approach, we really discourage women, uh, to get pregnant beyond age. 50, we don't want anybody to get beyond age 50, and um, as soon as they hit 45, we have to start a, a specific investigation process to make sure they're healthy enough to proceed. So, I mean, there is a lot of ethical, financial, you know, um, again, perspective on this, that do you really want aging parents, like, do you want to be 55 and mm. have a child in, you know, kindergarten? So those are, again, you know, um, different side of the story that we have to keep an open mind. Like if somebody comes in 10 years and says, hey, guys, you can live up to 110 years, then maybe it's okay to have children when you are 50. Yeah. If 50 is new, 40 or new 20, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah.
0: When do you think this population situation will become a problem? I mean, obviously we're a long way out from what this study says, but when does this become serious or is it serious now?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, with the policies that the government is putting in place with immigration and so on, I mean, obviously right now is a different situation with everybody being out of work, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't think that we are uh, Again, I'm not expert in epidemiology and so on, but um, I think this is kind of a more ro- long-term uh, situation that we, we have a chance to uh, develop policies and avoid it rather than a short-term problem. Because, again, uh, immigration, you know, getting workforce from other countries, those are all things that can be um, managed short-term. So this is more, in my view, long term.
0: What about developing countries versus first world countries?
1: Well, then again, actually, this report talks about um, uh, the biggest populated countries will be um, more developing countries. And the question is that because maybe perhaps the contraception is not as available, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, more developed countries have begun, uh, pushed a bundle on the, you know, a little bit too much. Now we're trying to fix what we've done as opposed to, you know, developing countries that they continue without putting these policies in place to restrict the population.
0: Do you think this is a conversation that couples will have? And, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we we're talk a lot on the show, especially now during a pandemic, what life's going to be like post-COVID-19. We certainly know what life was like before that. Will this change attitudes? Will this be something that, um, you know, again, uh, during a pandemic... You know, if there's a bad situation, it's made worse. But if there's a good situation, sometimes it's made better. People have learned to live smaller. They've they've learned that there's other important things in life than what we valued uh, before COVID-19. Will this be something that might naturally evolve? In other words, all of a sudden, couples start having two and three kids again, you know, uh, maybe even four kids
1: well that's a very um interesting question i think we have to wait and see how it's going to evolve but you know i honestly don't see a major change per se you know because i've uh, again we started uh, we were very slow during the COVID because of the pandemic as helping couple um and uh, when we opened We're exactly the same as before. People are still eager, people that have trouble, you know, conceiving, still eager to have children. Um, I mean, I think... Thinking about this, it's a bigger bigger issue than than um, just the fertility treatment. I mean, having children, it's a you know, it's a lot of factors that people will consider. Uh, you know, and I only deal with a small percentage of people that they have trouble conceiving, if it makes sense, and they're still yeah. eager to proceed. <laughs>
0: Dr. Manoosh Fadji has been with us, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology, McMaster University, also the managing partner of One Fertility in Burlington. Doctor, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well.
1: Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate it.
0: The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.
1: For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us,